You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Trick Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Claire and Renzo Martinez. What happens when you take a you know couple couple centuries old Visigoth warrior and then you launch him into space to fight aliens and then you bring him back into the 21st century? Better yet, what happens if you take Conan the Barbarian and have him make a child with Iron Man? I don't think that's possible, but somebody was able to do this in probably, perhaps, my single most favorite title of the past decade. Yes, folks, today we are talking about Valiant Entertainment's XO Man of War. It's been brought to me by fans demand and something that I saw on the stars as we were getting set up. We wanted to go ahead and ha- get a great base of episodes set up. So when we eventually introduced you to Arik, the Visigoth, Arik of Dacia, the Exo Man of War himself, you would know where to go. And we are starting hot and heavy, but we can't do that without the mischievous, marvelous, mighty masterminds. That is the SPC's very own Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, how goes it? Remso, it's going fantastic. And just to get right into things, I, I already I learned so many things having you as my sidekick, or or maybe I don't learn them depending on your perspective. I've always pronounced it Eric of Dacia or Eric of Dacia, but I don't know that yours is the is the right or wrong way. I've never I don't. I, and now that I think about it, I'm not sure if I've ever heard anyone say it out loud until right now. So I really have no idea how it's pronounced. I'm actually more confused than when I came in. There are a lot of names like that. And of course, now, because I'm searching for examples, I can't find it off the top of my head. Yeah, like I need, we need oh, to go find uh, a video where they. Where they yeah, there, there was uh, there was Amadeus Cho. And for years, I called him Amadeus. <laughs> I don't know. That I one is definitely. Yeah, you are wrong. Very wrong. Yeah, I, I screwed up on that. See, old people like but, me yeah. have seen the movie Amadeus. So we know that it's not. I wasn't allowed to watch that because that had hints really? of nudity. Yep, hints. I didn't see it until yeah, a few years had more ago. Than hints. Well, if you watch the director's cut, you see, uh, you know, full on, full on Bush. But, you know, what which, what goes on TNT is not often what people want you to yeah, see. Wait, wait till the patrons see what what happens on the director's cut of these these podcasts. Oh, it scary gets, stuff. It gets a little scary stuff. Yeah. Weird. It's it a little horrifying. 
Uh, speaking yep. of weird, speaking of weird and wild, uh, Ramzo, you and I recently had a little guest appearance over on our friends at the Weird Science Podcast. Uh, we went out with I Jim. I can finally die happy. Yes, exactly. We're going to cancel the show right now, actually. I reached. <laughs> that was actually why I started this. I'm such a big fan of their show. I was like, I'll, I'll never get on that show unless I'm somehow involved in the comic community. So I was like, all right, let me let me trick Ramzo into uh, starting a show on the premise that I'm going to teach a long, young Latino boy to read via comics. And, and here we are. So welcome to the last edition of Weird Science. But no, it was great. Um, you know, when Weird Science, a great podcast, by the way, if you guys are comic fans at all, they have several podcast feeds. They have the Weird Science DC Comics feed, uh, the Weird Science Marvel Comics feed, uh, and then their Patreon. If you think we put out a lot of content, and I think we do, I think we're doing pretty good. There will be more to come in 2021. Uh, but I mean, Jim over at Weird Science just puts out insane amounts of content on his Patreon. I'm, I'm a pr- proud Patreon patron of that show as well. So definitely check out the Weird Science guys. They, they do great stuff. But when they have annuals week, uh, they actually put their annual show behind the paywall. And so they didn't have a regular show that week. So they did. They actually took one of their paywall shows, which is called uh, First Best and uh, First Best Comic, I, I believe. And it's basically where uh, they, they bring some somebody on and we, they look at either, you know, the first comic book they ever read or their best comic they ever read. And for me, we chose uh, to do my first comic I had ever read, which was Fantastic Four, number 357. I'm not even sure if I should spoil it or should I, should I let them go listen to the show or, or read the issue? Let's just say this. I, I don't know who was the Marvel editor at the time. It, it was maybe DeFalco or somebody. But uh, Marvel does not think kindly of the blind. <laughs> no. Let's just say this. Uh, if you're if you're married and your wife starts acting a little strange, starts making strange artwork that she didn't you know make before, uh, just, you know, she may be an alien. That's all I'm saying. If she but wants no to spend time with you and wants you to stop attempting to cheat on her. If she she might compliments be you constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, check out the Weird Science podcast, uh, Weird Science Comics podcast. Where it's Weird Science DC Comics and Weird Science Marvel Comics. Uh, they are killing it. They have an awesome website too, by the way. If you are as particularly in DC Comics, uh, they do an insane. I think they literally review every single uh, every single book, and they get advanced copies. Uh, so they're having those reviews. I think they drop like if you're up at midnight the day those issues come out, the reviews are there right away. And I've often used their reviews. They usually do them pretty spoiler free. So sometimes I'll use the, their reviews to decide which books to actually pick up, which books are actually worth it. So. Uh, great resource, Weird Science. Check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since, you know, he, here at SPC, we look at a lot of stuff that is sometimes very recent, sometimes it's incredibly old. Uh, you know, we, we consider ourselves your your kind of base to kind of launch from. Every once in a while, we'll do an episode like we did last week talking about the new Wonder Woman movie and what we're expecting in 2021. But if you want to hear that from us, usually it's in it's in the Patreon. But if you want to, get, want to know what's going on, if each of these big publishers, issue by issue, week by week, uh, Weird Science is definitely the king when it comes to that absolutely speaking of which uh speaking of patreon i gotta say um you know 2021 we let you know that uh you know our our plan is essentially global domination i think that's a good way of putting it yeah and uh, uh, to put it mildly to, to put it mildly and uh you know that that does include money so what we try and do is we try and entice you not just with all the awesome stuff that's that's behind the paywall but we've been doing uh these giveaways i think our first giveaway was uh last year we were giving away uh a, a copies of x-men issue one 
from 1992. And, uh, you know, over the weekend, I was over at a place called Second and Charles over in Chantilly, Virginia. Uh, it's a great new store. It reminds me of something called Hastings, which we used to have in my old uh, hometown, Sierra Vista. You know, board games, books, collectibles, all that stuff. It's really awesome. Well, anyway, one opened up here. My girlfriend and I went there, and they've just got this awesome section of back issues that are all in very well, you know, great condition. It's like a Everything is like two bucks. You buy five, you get five free. I went freaking insane. No, you can't resist that one. Remzo's no, not so going to resist that. I I, <laughs> I spent I spent some money. I, this I, is I the guy that spends coin. like eight bucks on seventy different uh, death metal one shots. So I mean, uh, uh, ten for ten for you. I mean, that, I'm sure you could. You were just uh, uh, salivating in there, just just ravenous. But but you see, Mark, I was willing to spread the wealth because I was actually get able to get my hands on a few copies of X-Force issue one by Rob Liefeld, even with the original poly bag, the collector's edition with the trading cards and stuff that uh, those came with. And I grabbed a couple issues there. I know that we've got a lot of uh, Liefeld fans amongst our listeners. So I was like, hey, the next two patrons that join at five dollars or higher I will go ahead and mail you one of these copies. And within an hour, I wasn't even done posting it to all their different accounts and stuff. Mark, it was literally up. And within minutes, both of them were claimed. And I was like, holy shit, it works. Yeah, we got, I think those, I mean, literally it was like within seconds they were both claimed. And so we got two, uh, two awesome new patrons out of that. Uh, One of them was Jim Werner, a friend from Weird Science Comics. So it all, it all comes around. Everyone loves cable. Everyone loves cable. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's fantastic. And and really, uh, you know, this is this is a passion project. We we try and do all the bonus content and all the perks and stuff to give you guys, you know, more fun throughout your week. But really, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is a comics is a consume is a consumer hobby. It's a accumulation hobby. And when it comes to podcasts, it's it's really that kind of on steroids. So when you guys want extra bonus shows and more interactive stuff, all the awesome perks with Mark and I, we understand that you're taking a little bit of the hard-earned money that you used your time and energy to accumulate. And uh, you know, we just hope that we're continuing to give you great value and have a ton of fun in the process. So as always, we're gonna keep these um these giveaways going. I'm having a good time going out and finding stuff, Mark is too. And we're going to try and find more ways, contests, raffles, all that stuff. So that way, um, you know, it'll not only entice you to get more involved with us, but you'll get something awesome as a result. And come on, it's X-Force issue one. We're, we're going we call 90s. A win-win, Remzo. Every transaction in life, this is part of my philosophy, every transaction in life should be a win-win. That's what we're doing here. We're all winning. You're helping us, and we're helping you. We're giving you free stuff. We're, we're, and I mean, honestly, you read one of the, uh, you know, run of the letters last week from one of the fans. I mean, it really does strike me like really, really hard when I hear that. You know, we've been helping somebody through like mental issues, or you know, we've been helping somebody with an escape. You know, that's it's really amazing to hear. Uh, so I mean, that that's really what what drives us. I mean, uh, this is a fun podcast to do. I think even if we didn't, even if we didn't put this out as a podcast, Renzo and I would have fun hopping on and talking about comics every week. But uh, when I hear a little stuff like that when i see patrons reaching out to us and saying like you guys are really making a difference uh, in my life i mean that's not even the 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 kind of message that i even thought i would get when we started this podcast it was i was just thinking yeah it'd be fun to start a comic podcast but hearing stuff like that is just i mean it, it just sends shivers up the spine what can i say exactly mark and that's why here at spc we're reading comics and changing the world boom well, anyway, on to on to mighty things ahead. Uh, I don't think we've ever done a Valiant book. 
I think this might we be have our not. first one. This is our Valiant debut. Should we uh, talk a little bit about the genesis of Valiant Comics? Absolutely. Mark, you, you were nothing but a wee lad back in the great golden gilded age known as the 1990s. We've yes. got Image Comics, which we discussed the formation of Image Comics. We've talked about stuff like um, uh, the, the Max in the past and others. I'm, I'm a big uh, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld fan like yourself. And uh, Valiant was part of that. Valiant didn't get as much of the acclaim, but Valiant did make an impression. And, uh, you know, they, they went through a period where they kind of disappeared and all this other stuff. But before I kind of get into the history of Valiant and before we get into um, the Valiant Entertainment, the current canon version of Exo Manowar Volume 1 by the Sword, did, did you collect any of these when you were a kid? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Valiant to me was this really intriguing company. They they were actually founded in 1989 by uh, Jim Shooter, uh, who had worked for Marvel and DC over the years. He he spun off and started Valiant. And just as as he was getting that company going uh, and was launching some new characters like Exo Manowar, uh, like Ninjak, uh, like Harbinger, uh, just Blood as this was happening, bitches. yeah. But uh, Image swooped in and kind of t- stole a lot of the thunder. Not stole. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's everyone's thunder to, to, to grab. Uh, but I feel like Image took a lot of the you know wind out of the sails of Valiant as, as kind of a third competitor, uh, you know, sort of the third option to Marvel and DC. Image really quickly claimed that mantle. Uh, so Valiant was kind of, you know, in the background. But I was always intrigued by Valiant Comics. Uh, they had some really cool. I know Joe Quesada did a couple of their titles. And uh, he, they had some awesome covers that they came out with that I, I actually went to conventions and, and got Signed like the Ninjak cover. Uh, I remember getting that one, Ninjak number one. Uh, there, there. I remember hunting down uh, Exo Manowar number zero. That was just a huge issue. Um, and, and they were really cool and different. And I just liked them because. Again, much like with how I got into Savage Dragon, um, how I got into other books, even books that aren't that great like Thunderstrike, I got into books when I was young that I thought I could get in from the ground level. And that was another thing that was cool about the Valiant books. Uh, It wasn't just that you could get into these books at the ground level. You get into a whole universe at the ground level. And they really did make uh, unlike Image, which technically they sort of had a connected universe and they had characters appear in each other's books. That quickly kind of splintered away and and was never really the the focus of the books, the shared universe. But with Valiant Comics, the shared universe really is the focus. I mean, these characters cross over all the time uh, in a logical way. I mean, there are, there's actually uh, an e- editorial decisions behind these things and greater stories being built all the time. And uh, it's just really nice to be able to kind of dive into a universe and sort of make it all your own uh, and not have to really feel burdened, especially if you're a new fan, by the decades and decades and decades of history of Marvel and DC. So that's what always appeal- appealed to me about Valiant Comics. And yeah, I collected uh, a bit of Ninjak, a bit of Bit of Exo Man of War, a uh, bit of Harbinger, uh, you know, in probably the early 90s. Yeah. And, and uh, for me, what what really did it was, uh, I think, a few years back. Well, probably more than a few years, probably five, six and years And Bloodshot. Back. We can't forget Bloodshot. Oh, bl- bl- Bloodshot. I, I've got I've got the Vin Diesel figure over there. I've got the DVD. Bloodshot's my boy. But uh, for me, with Valiant, what what brought me in was, um, I, you know, I'm a big fan of CW's Arrow. I loved that series. Uh, the guy who played Deadshot in Arrow, I remember going online, seeing something, I think, through Sci-Fi Channel. What Valiant wanted to do to try and let people know that they existed when they came back as Valiant Entertainment. They've always been pushing to want to do more in video games and film. We haven't seen much in video games recently, and the one film that came out has been Bloodshot, but you know, not a lot of people saw it because as soon as it hit theaters, uh, you know, the pandemic happened and no one wanted to pay full price, like twenty bucks to see that movie unless you were gonna buy it on a 
on a DVD. And now, you know, it's on Hulu and stuff. More people. I feel like Bloodshot has started to pick up a little bit. So more people recently are watching it. But for me, um, I was watching a sci-fi behind the scenes and Valiant put together a limited web series called Ninjack versus the Valiant universe. And I saw the guy from uh, Arrow who played Deadshot. He was playing Ninjack. The dude who was like the original Red Ranger from Power Rangers was Bloodshot. They were actually going all out with the action. It's actually a pretty well-produced low-budget superhero film. And in that film, uh, you basically see Ninjack. He's forced by a villain to go uh, steal the Book of the Dead. And basically, everyone is trying to figure out why he's doing it. Ninjack can't tell anyone or else his friends, family, who've been taken hostage by this villain, they're going to die. So it's basically Ninjack trying to figure out, how do I save everybody while not giving this villain this this book, which can ultimately bring about evil forces to conquer the world. So it's an awesome series. Uh, a lot of you had problems finding it. So what I did was I posted uh, just the embedded video over on the website, secondbrickcomics.com. I'll post a link to that in the show notes so you can watch all of Ninjack versus the Valiant Universe for free. But uh, that's what did it for me. And to kind of jump into the history, this is just from Wikipedia, folks. I'm going to go ahead and pull it out. Uh, Valiant has gone through different iterations. Right now, what we'll be reading is from Valiant Entertainment, which is currently out. It's the current uh, version of the company. But it started as Valiant Comics. Uh, Valiant Comics was an American publisher of comics and related media. The company was founded in 1989 by by former Marvel Comics editor-in-chief Jim Shooter, who was personally my all-time favorite Marvel editor. I mean, he brought out some of the best X-Men series, Avengers, Secret Wars was his thing. So you have a lot to thank Jim Shooter for. Uh, along with lawyer and businessman uh, Stephen Morsowski. Uh, in 1994, the company was sold to Acclaim Entertainment. Now, when it was sold to Acclaim, Acclaim was known for putting out a lot of WWE uh, uh World Wrestling Federation games on like Atari and stuff like that. So what they wanted to do was take a lot of these Valiant characters and properties and turn them into video games, which they did. There was a Shadow Man video game and a couple others, but that was really the intent. The intent was not really to do much with the comics. But anyway, uh, they did bring back the comics. They rebooted them. They had new You know, all all the characters are basically the same characters, but in name only. They all had different origins and everything, a giant change. And uh, some of the others um, also got uh, sold off. Uh, A few of the characters went over to uh, Dark Horse, Dynamite, that type of stuff. But after Acclaim declared bankruptcy in 2004, the company was restarted as part of Valiant Entertainment by entrepreneurs Dinesh uh, Dinesh Shamdasani and Jason Kathori in 2005. And Mark, I might be mistaken, but I think these guys were like in college when they they were pretty young because I've heard interviews with them and they're they're not that old now. So, yeah, I mean, they, they must have been pretty young in 2005. I mean, really, really smart guys. They they brought back this amazing universe basically from the dead. But anyway, Valiant launched its publishing division in 2012 as part of an initiative called the Valiant, the Summer of Valiant, which I remember going on when I was in high school at the time. Uh, it won Publisher of the Year and uh, being nominated for Book of the Year at the Diamond Gem Awards. Uh, since then, Valiant has set sales records and was the most nominated publisher in comics in 2014, 2015 and 2016 for the Harvey Awards, releasing the biggest selling 
independent crossover event of the decade with Book of Death in 2015. After that, Valiant was acquired by DMG Entertainment in 2018. Uh, and you know, going, going back then, this is a kind of a dated, uh, wiki entry, but 2015 Valiant announced they had partnered with Sony pictures to produce five films based on the bloodshot and Harbinger comics. Uh, the rights for Harbinger would later be, uh, acquired from Sony by Paramount pictures. And, you know, so far what we've had is we've had bloodshot at Sony bloodshot got greenlit for a sequel and Paramount not only has Harbinger, but apparently they also have Exo Man o War. So we're seeing already right at the beginning, a bit of this fracturing of the a potential cinematic universe but I, I gotta say I'm a Fast and Furious fan I like Riddick I think Bloodshot is probably uh, Vin Diesel's best movie or at least my favorite best movie, movie? Vin Diesel. period for Vin Diesel yeah wow okay yeah. not the best movie he's in but your his best performance his best performance Okay. I, I better will, than Groot I, are we not counting we're not counting <laughs> no no that that bothers the hell out of me <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just, they are basically just buying access to his Twitter following. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 I've, but, I've uh, always th- thought to yeah. myself, like, what, like, that could be anybody. That could be a computer generated voice. They just want to say Vin Diesel is in these movies. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the most popular actors on earth and love him or hate him. I mean, the guy has a massive global following. That's I'm why full he's on cr- love. I have no hate to hate to the D's. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I respect the, I respect the hustle for sure. But basically, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Valiant has gone through all these different stages. I started collecting uh, Exo Manowar first, and then I jumped on to um, Bloodshot, Harbinger, uh, The Eternal Warrior, and Unity um, in probably 20, beginning of 2020, I want to say... Yeah, like just around January 2020, mainly just because I was just getting kind of bored uh, you know, I, I've basically stopped collecting Marvel and I was still collecting my DC books, but a lot of it was just a little bit predictable. Um, you know, with Valiant, what really struck me were two things. One, they're, they're just, and was that the first time you'd read Valiant comics this yeah. year or this yeah. past year? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what, what really got me was the fact that, um, one, their characters are just so different. They, it does mm-hmm. not look like your typical superhero publisher. And secondly, their biggest thing is for their stories, they want to look like the world outside your window. So, of course, we're dealing with supernatural stuff, alien stuff like that. But what they really try and do is take a more grounded approach to their stories. And with that, you get a lot of really original storytelling. I mean, when I say original, I mean very original stories. Uh, you know, of course, you've got Ninjak, which is kind of like james bond meets batman you've got harbinger which is kind of like an x-men uh homage but when it comes to just the stories the plots themselves like i have been binging so much of valiant entertainment stuff um just i mean it's if, if they were films they'd be they'd be oscar worthy sure i mean every product is is derivative of something in some way so of course a lot of the characters have elements of that you can see in other characters from marvel and dc but they really are unique characters in and of themselves unique stories in and of themselves and i think valiant's a great company to jump into if you just want to kind of try have a, a something you feel like is yours like again that's what i love about valiant so much is that it's really a a very small interconnected universe you can you could pretty pretty easily collect like all the valiant titles if you just wanted to do that and nothing else 
else and you would be reading, you know, a cohesive universe. You would really feel a part of that specific universe. So, I mean, I think uh, for comic fans that kind of don't know where to start sometimes, we get, a lot, we get that question a lot, actually, because a lot of people that listen to the show weren't necessarily huge comic fans before or they're laps fans. They don't know where to get uh, where to jump in when they kind of get back into comics. And like myself, I was a laps fan for a while and Valiant was there both times for me. Valiant was there when I first started reading comics and then it was there again with the relaunch in 2012, uh, which is right around when I started reading comics again after being lapsed for a while. So both times for me, Valiant has served as, as a an entry point, as something I could just dig my teeth into. And it just so happened that they were literally launching a full line, you know, right around the time I became a fan and then became a fan again or refound my fanhood, however you want to say it. So I would highly recommend checking out a couple of Valiant books if you are one of those fans that's just kind of not sure where to go yet, is a little too intimidated to say jump into like Jonathan Hickman's X-Men or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's definitely something to check out. And, and maybe perhaps Exo will be one of those uh, characters. Absolutely. I would say that Exo Man of War is really Valiant Superman. So Superman is to DC, Spider-Man is to Marvel. This was not only their their biggest, most popular character, I think second is followed by Bloodshot, but uh, this was the first title to get relaunched. This is the title that introduced a lot of the other characters that would get their own uh, books eventually. Uh, for me, as soon as I read this volume, uh, it not only got me just really obsessed with the character, but then I started getting everything. I mean, when the pandemic started, my comic book shop down the road was doing a buy one, get one 50% off sale. I walked out with basically oh, there it is all, again, those sales, yeah, those you sales. I was going to go nuts in there. I, I basically walked out with like all the valiant uh, tradebacks I could get. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump in. We are looking at Exo Man of War Volume 1 by the sword. Right now we are in... And this is from 2012, just for people that might be looking this stuff up, because there's there's Exo Man of War Volume 1 from 1993, I believe. There's also Exo Man, Exo Man of War... I'm not sure if they're calling it. I think it is volume one again like it was from 2017. So you can find the funny thing is when I first started researching uh, this book and I'd read all these o- over the years. Uh, oh, this ac- was funny. Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> started reading Exo Manowar volume one from 2017. Uh, and I was like, Remzo, are you sure this is the right? Because Remzo had, you know, we have a little document that says how many issues there are in each run. And and I got to issue four. I was like, I don't know, man, this really seems like a six issue arc. I, I don't think this ends here at issue four. But he's like, no, no, no. The, the trade just has the first four issues. I'm like, I don't know. But then I realized, oh my God, I'm reading the 2017, not the 2012. So be careful out there, kids. Yeah, and I'll and we'll go ahead and uh, include links if you want to grab these. You know, when I inclu- when we don't usually do it, but when we include links to comics, and I think you know, it's also on Hoopla. Is this on Hoopla? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading the trade back. Uh, Mark is looking this on Hoopla. I'll throw like an Amazon link so at least you can get the reference. But like, we don't make money from that. It's just so that way you could do it because I know a lot of you. I love it when you send us photos of you actually ordering comics that we talked on the show. It's a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll do that to help point you in the right direction. Since we don't take money from these things, I'm just going to recommend, you know, we don't have an Amazon affiliate program for the podcast. We haven't set anything like that up. I don't even know if we care to. But what you should do if you're going to click through Amazon, go to uh, Amazon Smile, sign up uh, for any charity of your choice. I don't even care what you do, but it's really awesome because it'll it'll donate, I think, 5% of of your sales from your items to, to a charity of your choice. So at least do that if you want to go through Amazon. So that way you can be somebody's hero. Exactly. And then you really can read comics and change the world. Boom. Booyah. So we're in the year 402 AD. Right now, um, what you have is the Visigoth, the barbarians fighting the Roman Empire. 
And what you see in the first couple issues is you see a couple of Visigoth warriors. Um, they're just really worried about whether or not this recent treaty with the Romans has actually gone through or not. But they're worried because the relations between the Visigoths and the Romans are not that great. So any potential piece is not looking very good. That's why in the next page, when we scroll over, we go ahead and we're taken to Palentia, northern Italy in 402. And basically what you can see is, oh, as they have arrived, they could basically tell this treaty with the Visigoths and the Romans hasn't really worked out. And you've got this giant legion of soldiers that are now just like throwing spears at each other in like a giant, like, you know, Lord of the Rings style fight. It's uh, it's on. And at this point, as the Visigoths are looking at the Romans, they're like, holy crap, man, they brought all of the Western Empire. So things are things are looking kind of hairy for the uh, Visigoths who don't have the best weapons, don't have the best armor. They're barbarians. They don't have much training. And, uh, you know, at this point, when you go to the third page, they're just getting slaughtered right now. I mean, you could see them. They're being told, you know, Visigoths, form your lines. But you see quite a few people up front. Their shields are shattering. This is not going in their favor at all. And it just started. And it feels like. Um, it, it feels like you just jumped in to the pivotal battle scene of a movie uh, or like the Battle of the Gladiator. Bastards for, for Game of Thrones. Annie. I mean, it feels yeah. like a huge epic battle that you're just shoved into. Um, but this is not the the, uh, the pivotal scene of the film. This is just this is just the setup. This is just getting us into things. So I, it really does give a give a sense of, you know, of, of the the grandiosity of the wars that have been going on here uh, between the Visigoths, Visigoths and the Romans. And uh, yeah, they're definitely outnumbered. The, those Goths. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, things get worse for them because then then you go down a few panels and they've got catapults throwing out like firebombs or something. And as I mean, you actually see them. So they start hitting, uh, you know, Visigoth soldiers and one guy, he just it's like he just explodes. I mean, obviously, these aren't like bomb bombs, but like when when he has a sound effect, which is like, something. Ah! it's it's not going well. And you can't really see the faces of the soldiers as they're around them. But the way I see it, it's kind of like they're just staring like, oh. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. They're not having a good time. Yeah. At this point, uh, General uh, Stilico, um, he's uh, he's the Roman. I'm sorry. He's the Roman general. He's just laying waste to the Visigoths. Uh, As soon as, uh, you know, the lines start to falter, King Alaric, uh, Ark of Dacia's father, jumps in and one of his generals runs over to him and he's like, King Al. King Alric, the Roman artillery is too much. Our lines are faltering. And uh, the king goes, curse General Stilico. The the coward fires from uh, his barbs from afar, afraid to meet us on the open field. We must save our strength for a battle of our own design. Signal the retreat. And, um, you know, at this point, everyone is trying to fall back. And this is where Arc of Dacia, King Alaric's son, comes in. And he's like, what do you mean? We can fight retreating. We, we don't retreat. We're Visigoths. So at this point, um, I'm sorry, this King Alaric is his uncle. Arc's father died. So I just made a mistake right there. So King Alaric is Arc's uncle. Um, at this point, Arc is like, no, we can go back and fight. You've got another saying, Arc, do as your uncle says. The battle is lost. And Arc says, no, victory can still be ours, Gofty. We must charge. Put the enemy on the defense. And at this point, you know, some of the soldiers are going with him and some others are going back with the king. It's not looking very great. 
So Arik comes over and he's like, hold your ground, Visigoths. Show the Romans what we're made of. And they're all looking at him and he's like, what are you talking about, man? What are we made of? It's all over the ground. Would you have us stand there like sheep while their artillery smashes up to pieces? At this point, you know, he gives a basically your generic warrior speech. And while half the Visigoths are going back with the king, the other half are like, fine, Um, you know, we'll we'll go with you. And this is funny. One of the other soldiers who knows Ark pretty well, he's like, you may have uh, you have my fine looks, boy, but you have your mother's temper. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Ark is basically William Wallace here. Basically. And is he storming? I mean, I, I it, it's really hard for artists to do a lot of it. Wait a second. So that's his father, right? That's not the king who said you have my fine looks. Um, I, yes. 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 OK, yes. that's what. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the king is Alaric and his father is the other uh, is, officer is just his father. Yeah. Got it. It's a it's a little confusing there. I, I think his father is a, one of the generals or, or some yeah. such. So so anyway, uh, as I was mentioning, yeah, it's often really hard for artists to do a lot of these battle scenes, especially in small panels. Usually they do full page spreads like what we saw earlier. But um, I mean, this this artwork by uh, Carrie Nord is just absolutely fantastic. You see Arik, they start charging the Romans at this point. They're just stabbing them in the gut, slitting throats, cutting off heads. It's um, it, it's it's quite it's quite a spectacle. But right now, even though the Visigoths have this one moment of courage, it's just not looking well for them. At this point, King Alaric comes over and he's like, fall back to the wagons. The lives of our family depend on it, because as only half the army returns, the other Romans were like, oh, they, they've basically split. So why not just go for the entire tribe? And, uh, you know, Arik is still out there killing. But at this point, things just aren't aren't going for him. In fact, things get even worse. You see Arik literally cut someone's head off. (laughs) But as soon as that happens, his father gets impaled by a Roman spear. And he's just looking and he's like, oh shit, what did I do? Yeah, it was actually the guys, uh, the guy that speared his father. That's who his head uh, chops off. Yeah, you can tell there when it, because he's holding, uh, he's holding uh, Arik's father like, like by the neck. Oh yeah, you see yeah. it right there. He's in. Yeah. He's in kind of like the corner. Okay, I'm too busy distracted by the decapitating going. There's a lot on. going on here. I mean, there, you there's don't a often lot see decapitating. But he, he goes ahead and just straight up decapitates that guy. He throws his father on his horse, and you've got Romans taunting him. They're like, face this coward. Uh, you've got two panels of Arik looking back, and you know you could tell he wants to fight. He wants to go prove his Visigoth barbarian manhood, but it's just not happening. Uh, he is basically wanting to save his father, and he knows he has to go back and save the families. So and just I feel right. like I feel like he yeah. would have fought to the end if it not for having to save his father there. So because he he just gave no fucks. <laughs> Eric is there to fight. He's not there to strategize. He's not there to regroup. He's there to fight. Uh, he is a warrior. They make that very clear. But yeah. But then of course he does love his father and does want to save his father. So that's I think that's what the only thing that could have drawn him out of battle. Yeah, this this very much reminds me of the scene in the first Thor film where the frost giants are trying to get access to uh, Odin's treasure room and Odin doesn't want to retaliate after killing the ones that tried to get in. So what Thor does is he takes the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif and Loki and they attempt to go basically kill Laffy, the, the, ice, the ice giant, um, the frost giant king. So it kind of reminds me of that because what ends up happening for Thor, things don't go very well. He's scolded by Odin and, you know, the rest is history. Here, something similar kind of happens. Uh, we're back at the Visigoth camp somewhere in northern Italy after the retreat. 
and Arik's father is 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 dying at this point. And um, you know, at one point he's like, "Leave me to die, boy. Go be with your wife while you still can." And Arik, you know, apparently when he got back, some of the Romans had actually kidnapped some people. So, you know, while he was fighting, the Romans were ransacking, ironic, um, because usually it's the barbarians doing that. So Arik is like, hey, Deidre was taken, too, uh, but we will ride after them if we if need be and cut down any Roman who stands in our path. Your sword, I brought it from the battlefield. You will swing it again. And his father pushes the sword away. I mean, you could tell this guy is in serious pain. You see blood all over him still as they tried to clean him up even. And he's like, you should have left it. It isn't worth the strength it took to carry it. And he's like, hey, I I, I watch you forge this sword yourself. It is the envy of the entire army. It's a pretty cool looking sword. But but this is where he really needs to start listening to his father, because as his father's, uh, you know, his voice is obviously fading. They do a pretty good job showing this with the with the shrunken, um, the wobbly uh, shrunken lettering. Yeah. For for the dialogue in that speech bubble. He says, then the army is made of fools. Swords did not stop the Huns from driving us out of our lands in Dacia. Uh, They will not help us gain a new land of our own. The Romans have uh, the Basilisk and the Onager. I think it's Onagers or Onagers. um, Cities with high walls and we have blades and open fields. It is not enough. Um, I'm not sure how to say that word. Onagers. Onagers. Who knows? Yeah, it's 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 but it uh, makes it feel like these guys did their research. (laughs) If you're you're prepping for the SAT (laughs) children, this might help you out. Um, So our Arik is still trying to convince his father, come on, you got to get up and do this. And his father, with his last word, says it was never enough. And he passes. Uh, at this point, Arik is like, your sword will prove its worth, father, I swear. So what does Arik do? The one thing nobody freaking wanted him to do. Uh, he goes and grabs a whole bunch of other uh, Visigoths, and he's like, hey, uh, let's go ahead and see if uh, Stilicho's dogs have come to pick over our bones. We will make them choke on them. And uh, at this point, I mean, it's it's basically assumed that Arik is hot-tempered and does not have the best judgment. Uh, perhaps not, but, you know, that that's kind of part of his charm, too. That's that's what makes him the warrior that he is. I don't think any of this story works uh, as as we go through that. If he's if he is one of these calm people that just says, I'm just going to sit here and plan and wait for the right time and figure things out. No, he's a man of action. Uh, so, yeah, that is that is really part of the character, as we'll see going forward. And, and I got to say. And I Although will say I, that is actually, I'm going to contradict that actually in an oh. issue or two, because <laughs> actually they do. Well, we'll get there. We'll get I'll bring there. it. I'll bring the subject back up later. I will say this. We already know more about Ark of Dacia in these four pages than we ever have of Riri Williams Ironheart. <laughs> that is accurate. I think that's that accurate. very accurate. Yeah. And here is where things start getting a little bit Man, saucy. But yeah, but the, yeah. the blood feud you have with with Riri is just uh, it's something to watch. Let me say never Ironheart. Hashtag never Ironheart. <laughs> Um, this is where things getting kind of saucy and scary, folks. Uh, they go off back to the field where they were fighting. And what they see is this giant mechanical structure that turns out to be an alien spaceship. And you see these guys wearing armor and capes. So, you know, the initial reaction is, oh, there's a spaceship. But are those Romans? And this is where one of the Visigoths goes over to 
uh, Arik, and he's like, even if that is where the Romans hold our families, we should send word for reinforcements because they look at that thing and they're like, yeah, this is probably not the time to go do something brave. They got this new badass armor with these fancy purple capes and this weird, uh, con- I'm sure they didn't think ship because they don't even know what a ship would be in the sense of this thing, That, but a weird, they think it's just like a cell or somewhere where they're holding people. Yeah, and at this point, I mean, all, all Arik has to say is Deidre. He's still thinking of his wife who's been kidnapped by these Romans. And that's when one of the other lieutenants, uh, he's like, Afti is right. There's no telling how many legionnaires hide inside that behemoth. We should exercise caution. And just like every time Arik is told, we should hold back. We should exercise caution. What happens? Someone throws a freaking spear at one of the strange caped men. And Arik jumps up and he screams, give them no quarter, swords ablazing. And this is where things start to really change. Those aren't Romans because Romans don't have freaking fire guns. Romans do not have flamethrowing laser guns. I I, got to say, Mark, usually uh, when people are dealing with like aliens and, you know, whether different comics or TV shows, usually the weapons are pretty generic. It's usually like the straight laser beam. These are like freaking flamethrowers. They are the most badass alien rifles I've ever seen. I want one. Elon Musk, get on it. I mean, he get basically did actually already. But we we need flamethrowers for everybody to combat the alien menace. Indeed. But you know, we're not dealing with the alien menace. And Arik figures this out after he stabs one of them, and he calls him Roman scum. But you know, as he looks around, they're like, "Huh, this is kind of strange. What manner of legionnaires dress and carry such weapons?" And that's when one of the soldier go- soldiers goes over to the alien that Arik just killed, and he takes off his helmet, and it's like this scary freaking predator roach person. I just wanted one of them to say, that is one ugly son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) This is where it gets, uh, it's, I I love the dialogue in these books. It's, it's, uh, written by, uh, Robert Venditti. He will write this entire, uh, run of, of, uh, of, of EXO before Matt Kind uh, takes it over for the second season. See, and that's another one. I, you say Kind, I say Kint. I'm pretty sure it's Kint. Let's say Kint. Kint sounds better than Kind. It does. It really does. I feel like that's an insult. I think the T on the end changes how you say say the I. I don't know. Thank you for teaching me to read, Mark. I was a... I, 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 haven't, I haven't talked about this on the show, but uh, you're welcome. This is this actually is where I teach you. No, know, it was a joke. This actually is the show where I teach a young Latino boy how to read. This is funny. I was actually a a, a champion of the spelling bee in fifth grade, Meeting House what? Hill School, New Fairfield, Connecticut. Yes, and uh, it was a I was I flamed out quickly. The next year, this is unbelievable. I win one year. The next year, I don't even qualify for the thing. I don't I don't wow. know what happened. I just fell off. So all my I'm on the downward slope still since then on my, on my spelling <laughs> skills. So don't maybe. I'm not the number one best teacher, but I do have a history. I do have a track record. You just got to look far back. It mattered at some point. Just as things matter here, uh, Arik looks down at the roach alien person and he says, Stilico has no criteria when hiring for his Federati. So the, the Federati are basically mercenary, you know, people taken from other lands, you know, typically not Roman citizens who are conscripted into the Roman army. And this is around the time for for the Romans where they're, you know, they're spending out of control. They're everywhere. They're outnumbered everywhere they go. They they can't handle people. So they're just taking anyone and everyone they could possibly get. Um, and R continues, he will conscript all manner of man and apparently 
beast to do his fighting for him. And what I think is kind of funny about that is our arc is so full of himself. Uh, he, he He's almost not surprised. He's just so matter of fact about it. And my only question is like, how many other alien beast monster people do you see fighting with the Romans? Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess maybe your first instinct is an aliens. Cause maybe you're not even someone who thinks of space or planets or what have you. So the only thing you can think is, man, he got, he found some ugly son of a bitch <laughs> to, uh, to fight in their army or they found these weird beast things. But yeah, he doesn't seem that as shocked as one might think someone would be seeing a creature uh, like this. He just kind of goes, ah, well, all right, that's, that's weird. <laughs> and then moves on to go fight. Well, you'll get to it. This robot creature. Yeah, comes and, out. and I mean, I, I love this part because Arik turns over as uh, the door of the spaceship is opening and he sees not only more of those creepy, roach alien caped monsters come out but he sees this giant robot that looks like the one that ripley comes out in in the first <laughs> alien film and the soldier he was with is like well, uh yeah you were saying it, it's it's funny catchy dialogue um and i i just love that because they look over and immediately they're like oh shit um back at the visigoth camp though you see that some of those masked alien creatures have gotten into the camp and you could tell these guys are really trying to hide they're not there to attack uh, they, what, what I think is funny is when they're talking to each other, it just shows chirp. Mm-hmm. So chirp, chirp. It's just, chirp, I guess chirp, that's how they talk. Chirp. What, what, what happens is they go into the, one of the tents and they see this baby. And what they do is they take the baby, uh, they pull off some of its hair and they put it inside this, this like syringe type of thing. And what they do is they take that, that shot, that syringe. And what you see is they pull out an alien baby. They stab the alien baby with the syringe that has the hair of the human baby, and it literally transforms into a human baby. Then from there, they like steal or kill the human baby. And for all we know, the alien baby is exactly like the human baby, so much so that the mother comes in because he she hears the baby crying and she picks him up as he's fully transformed and, you know. He's he's basically human now. So that we see that and we're just like, what the hell has just happened? Yeah, I didn't read all of Venditti's run. I did read a good amount of it. I did read, I think, I think I read up to like 20 or so issues of this run. Uh, I don't know if he ever did anything with this, but I, I just thought of it now. Like, I wonder what happened to that baby. Like, maybe they just killed it, like you said, but they don't show it getting killed. Like, that. I wonder if that's anything i don't know if that's if that's a character that could come back or if i was writing this book i might might look at this issue and go oh maybe i should do something with this baby they took and never explain what happened to but you know i i almost think it's more sinister because you're gonna have that in the back of your mind as we keep going further like what happened to the human baby yeah i think i'm never gonna stop thinking about it much like other scenes where it's like something can take a very 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 dark and heinous turn sometimes it's better left unsaid to (laughs) let the reader develop that suspense no matter what i think it's safe to say nothing good happened to that baby no nothing good (laughs) maybe a dingo took that baby maybe (laughs) maybe a creepy alien took the baby anyway the baby's either way (laughs) the baby's gone replaced with the alien baby who looks like a human baby uh, we're back to the to the battlefield. I love this uh, too because this. I mean, this will come back by the end of this show. But I, you kind of, it's just this one page, and you kind of forget about it for a while. And then when it comes back, you you, you have, kind of have a moment where you think, oh, so stay tuned. 
Yeah, so we're back to the battlefield, and you see them fighting these aliens in the f- giant fighting robot mech suit. And uh, Arik tries to do like this awesome leap attack with his sword. And as soon as his sword, his father's sword of all things, hits the mech armor of this, you know, of this battle suit, it shatters. And he looks down at his father's sword and he's like, oh, no. And then the, the, the mech suit just backhands him. He flies and he, he's just down. But like a good warrior, as soon as one of the alien creatures is coming around, uh, they, they have basically destroyed all of Arik's forces that we can assume. Yeah. They killed most um, everybody and captured Arik and a, a couple of his buddies basically, but almost everybody was just slaughtered, especially once that mech tech, whatever creature came out, that thing was just blasting everybody. Like it showed them this blasting that fire right into their face and just phew, disintegrating. So th- once that thing came out, uh, they were pretty much done. And depending on how you see the rest of the story, they're lucky to be alive or maybe they're not. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we're dealing with like, Punisher levels of violent here. But what we've seen from these aliens is that they didn't just show up one day. They're Mm -hmm. here with a purpose so much so that the battle is over. We don't know who's alive and who's dead. We just see that Arik is basically knocked out and you see those aliens that were trying to go into the village and replace the human baby with the alien baby. They come back and they say to the giant mech suit guy, the plantlings were successful commander trill. Remember that name. Yeah, and they're showing us, uh, you know, with those little uh, those little carrots on the end, so we know they're just translating for us. Uh, but but in reality, we're we would probably we humans, us humans, would just be hearing that little chirp 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 chirp. chirp. But they're yeah. saying stuff. They're saying real stuff. Uh, Commander Trill, who is in that giant mech suit, apparently, he says, excellent. The others have already returned. Load the survivors for transport. So what we do know from that is that they're obviously not all dead. Just some of them are dead, that they have some plans for them. So much so, so that as soon as they load up the survivors, Trill says, we will depart at once. And then you see um, some of the surviving Visigoths who have been knocked out or whatever. They're all dragged onto the ship, and the ship just flies off. And as it flies out of our atmosphere, we see that it's not just one, but it's part of a giant armada. And this is where we begin to learn who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the vine. Um, And we see this in a little caption off the side. They're basically told they're in deep space away from any other planet uninhabited or inhabited. And they're in a vine colony ship. At this point, this is where we really begin to see these aren't just random, you know, take me to your leader aliens. They've they've got a plan. And uh, this is funny because it is like, you know, oh, the tables have turned type of situation. Um, The the ship lands inside the giant colony ship. And as the Visigoth warriors are basically handcuffed and taken out, you see one of the vine soldiers basically saying, get in line, animals. And the Visigoths are just looking around. They're like, what the hell is this? Uh, Mark, as we... You know, as we saw these guys first just trying to hide and then replacing the baby, coming out with these giant mech suits, and now they're basically taking people prisoner. What was your impression of the vine thus far? Well, like you said, uh, they, these are not just, you know, take me to your leader, mindless invasion aliens. Uh, these are not just, you know, explorers. Uh, they came to Earth. Um, it's And from what we can tell, we have no idea how long they've been coming to Earth because they clearly had this thing where they could, you know, and take a, take something out of a human baby, put it into another thing and, and make their little baby a human looking baby. So for all we know, this could be the first time they've done this. This could be the millionth time they've done this. Maybe they've been coming and visiting Earth and doing this forever. So we really don't know. Uh, but we've seen enough uh, intelligence and uh, advanced technology from these guys to know that they are they are way above and beyond uh, anything that the Visigoths could ever imagine in terms of technology uh, or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you would think 
that a rational person would be a little bit, you know, like, hey, I, I this is a bit out of my league. No, Ark is walking and next, you know, Ark starts coughing and it looks like he's keeling over so much so that another Visigoth tries to help him up. And what's crazy about these um, the these handcuffs that they're on is that they're like very splintery, thorny vines. Uh, a vine soldier comes over and he's like, no falling behind. But what does Arik do? He basically flips around, is able to wrap his uh, <laughs> his handcuffed vine thing around the vine soldier's neck and he chokes him to death. I mean, with the green blood and everything else, he's just like, I don't give a shit who you are. You are going down. And he's not going to so, wait to find out. Again, Eric is just a, a one to Eric, Arik, however you want to say it. Uh, he is a man of action and he sees a moment of, to act. He looks at this thing on his wrist and says, oh, I, this is not just a handcuff. This is a weapon. And he uses it as such immediately. I mean, he, he's badass. What can you say? You see, a, a lot of leaders these days, they like to think that they're all brains and heart. And Ark is just basically all gut and balls. He, he's he's an admirable guy. Indeed. Yes. Um, gut and balls. So, I like it. Gut and balls. So basically, uh, Arik, he frees the other Visigoth who's with him, and he's like, quickly, before they realize we're gone. They start running through the ship as if they know where they're going. And uh, they, they quickly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, we got to go. It's like, where? Where are you? Where are you going to go? You have no idea. But he but, seems but to this know. was always <laughs> this doesn't bother me too much. But that's what always bothered me, like about Star Wars, because it's like, oh, they must know every in and out of this uh, Imperial ship and everything. And they're, they're doing their typical thing. It's like, you know, stormtroopers come through. They just dive in at, in a in a side hallway. That's kind of like what they do here is they're running from the vine yeah. um, at this point. You know, I think. I think he's starting to realize this is kind of a bit out of my league. The enemy, I was wrong. These are not Roman Federati. They are something else. We will not find our families here, Gafti. We are here to free the others. And then uh, then we must first free ourselves. And at this point, they're looking around and uh, they're in this other room. They're on like the balcony of this room and they look down and this is where things for them start getting really trippy. Uh, (laughs) All the guys that you saw earlier, like switching babies and stuff back in the village, they're all here. And it looks like they're in this weird religious ceremony. Uh, What I think is cool about the artwork is it's really hard to make aliens look that unique. I want this to be a movie so bad. I mean, I I really do. Who would play Arik? I'm going to start saying it your way. I decided. I like it better. Chris Hemsworth. I, I would oh, want yeah. Chris Hemsworth I mean, to do this. Can't argue with that. It's a little too much like this is just Thor again. Uh, but I think if, if it's done well enough, you'll quickly uh, see the u- uniqueness and he can definitely pull it off. Absolutely. Or maybe his brother, Liam Hemsworth. I mean, Some I Hemsworth. Think I th- that's what we agree on. He's got to yeah. be. <laughs> we I, need a Hemsworth. Anybody find me. A when, Hemsworth. When, I, when I think of who would play him. I think of Chris Hemsworth or, or even uh, Taylor Kish, who hasn't been in a movie for a while. I actually liked John Connor and John. I'm sorry, John Carter, uh, you know, Warlord of Mars. I actually oh, think that's that, that this, guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually think that Taylor Kish, who played John Carter, could really do this. This is kind of a John Carter story. Kind of. Um, but anyway, they look down and they, you know, what I love about the scene is you see all the foliage. It's like nature mix of technology. It's really creepy. These are very original aliens. I'll give the creators credit for this. But you see this giant priest in red robes. He's over at this tree stump, which is the altar in the middle of this room. It's got this giant blue ball there. And he's like, blessed armor of Sean Hara. We ask that you reward us for our faith, that we ask you open yourself to us on this day. And then they... They basically bring in this other guy 
Uh, he's coming in. He looks like he's about to take part in the ceremony. And he's like, Commander Pith, for your prowess in battle, you have been chosen for this highest honor. May Shanhara deem you worthy. And, he, you know, he's this big vine soldier. He's a big motherfucker. And what happens is, uh, you know, the blue ball, which turns out to be Shanhara, it starts floating and, you know, pieces of it start coming off. And we see that it's basically armor. So the armor goes around Commander Pith. And uh, Gafty is like the metal. It moves on its own. Have you heard of such a thing? And Arik is like, not even in the myths. I, <laughs> no. I love that part. No, I have not heard of such a thing anywhere. Because I, I guess at least um, from the Visigoth perspective, they had heard myths about certain creatures. And maybe Arik could write off, oh, here's a mythical creature. But now, no. Like here's a minotaur or something. Yeah, like maybe here's he, a little exactly. dragon or a hydra. Yeah, maybe he could at least handle that. But this, this is uh, above and beyond anything. Yeah, the roach people are officially creeping them out, especially when they've got giant floating armor balls. And, uh, you know, as as Commander Pith finally puts on the helmet, all the other, we'll call them priests, all the priests there, they're bowing to him. And Gofti is like, is that their king? And Arik goes, is it the creature they bow to or the armor? That's very important. I think he answered his own question there. Yeah, and and at this point... uh, Somebody grabs a rifle and hits Gofty in the back of the head. Ara comes up and he's surrounded by Vine soldiers. And they're like, shall we execute the slaves, Commander Trill? And Ara goes, you beasts will find me much harder to defeat without your war machines. <laughs> and Trill is like, ah, you are an ab- you are an obstinate one. Let's see if you are loyal as well. And, now, are uh, we supposed to? We're not. OK, yeah, he, he doesn't understand them here. He's just because we're still seeing yeah, they, it's the, they they're still, still chirp chirping. But he's just talking English, and, and we see, we're we reading, the reader is reading all English because they're translating the alien. But to Arik, at least at this point, he's hearing chirp, chirp. <laughs> Could you imagine how not intimidating that is? It's kind of funny in a way. Maybe he, that's he, why the, he's not scared. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't take you seriously. You're just walking around chirping here. Come on. Giant ro- roach monster. Like, am I really supposed to be afraid chirp, of you guys? Chirp, <laughs> I'll be afraid of the giant uh, flame-throwing robot, sure, but you got, no, come on. Yeah, so, so basically, unless yeah, unless Arik chills the fuck out, Trill is going to kill Gofty and he's pointing a gun at him. And Arik is like, the day will come. And he's basically allowing himself to be taken. So as he's taken off, you go back to the temp, to the altar church thing that they that the other vine were at. And what we see is that uh, something's going on with Commander Pith. He's like, I feel it. Shanhara speaks to me. The power. It is magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> He starts choking and then he starts screaming and he goes from this moment where this is going to be pretty badass to, oh, shit. Um, he starts bleeding out of his nose. And I mean, it's really hard to see emotion. With that in green, these green, nasty blood. And you can see his like his face just being smushed because before his eyes were lined up like you know, he had, they got like six row, three, three rows of eyes and they're all lined up. But now you can see the eyes are being like spread apart. So his he's just he's just completely just imploding from inside. Yeah, it basically choked him and squished him to death. So much so that the armor's peeling off him. It's turning back into a ball and it's getting sent back to the altar. You see him in a pot in like a puddle of green blood. And uh, Sean Hara goes back to being in its dormant state. And at this point, one reminds of the me of Metroid. Like, you ever play Metroid? Are you talking like the look of the armor or no, how the, the armor works? He, in Metroid, they used to like shoot these little. This, there was one thing where there's ah, there's something with a little ball and it looks like that. I'll have to look it up to really under yeah to really communicate it's, what I'm saying. It's here. been a it's been a couple decades. I mean, I haven't played it's it in a couple a decades, so yeah. But uh, I'm reminded I, of Metroid. I, I could, That's all I know. 
I'll say the only thing that does kind of remind me is how how the armor looks. It's very Metroid ish. But actually, I think this came out before Metroid, you know, back in the 90s. Metroid won't come out until like the the late 90s, right? No, Metroid. uh, The first Metroid was had to be in the early 90s or no, in the 80s. I, I played it as a kid on the original on the original Nintendo. I played Metroid. Oh wow! Yeah, no, you're. I'm oh. aging myself even more here, but yeah, but huh. yes. Alrighty then. Metroid's so, been around the block. And speaking of been around the block, what we can tell is that these priests have obviously been around the block themselves when dealing with giving offerings to Shanhara. One of the priests are like, "We're scorned again." Even our strongest perish. And then the lead priest comes in and he's like, the sacred armor of Shanhara has deemed Commander Pith unworthy. It will only bestow its gifts upon a more worthy one. Until then, we must have faith. The high priest deems it so. The day will come when it will all be revealed. The day will come. And Arik is back behind bars. And at this point, he's with all the other Visigoth. It's like a big open cell. And uh, everyone's kind of in Planet of the Apes here. Only they're not apes. They're giant cockroach creatures. Yeah. I mean, everyone's just pissed at him at this point. You know, all their all all their motivation. They're they're all they're scared. And, you know, at this point, understandably, I think they've had a rough day. (laughs) Yeah, Not even the great arc of Dacia is going to be able to encourage them because obviously he's been tricked as much as they have. This is like the same day, basically, as the battle with the Romans. Like, this is like, can you imagine this day? You gotta be thinking, really? This day? I do this this whole Roman battle, most of my friends die there, and now these giant cockroach creatures have brought us into this place with this crazy armor that explodes their, their own soldier? Like, what is going on? What a day. What a day. Yeah. So that's the end of issue one. What What are your impressions thus far? Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to take in, but I, I like that the, I like that we're kind of it's unlike a lot of alien stories where aliens come and invade modern civilization, but modern civilization is sort of dreamed of aliens, thought of aliens. Um, I don't know. I, I like there's something to the, to the idea that I really find cool of aliens invading, uh, you know, uh, centuries and centuries ago when we didn't even have planes. We didn't even have flying ships or any any of that stuff. Uh, it, and it's so much more alien to them than aliens even would be to us. Like you and I have seen UFO videos. Like we kind of think there's aliens out there. So to us, if we see the aliens, we'll be like, Oh, we were right. Here's aliens. This is crazy. But to him, to Eric of Dacia and, and the Visigoths, I mean, they probably have never conceived of, of creatures from other planets or spaceships or, or floating armor that can, like, I mean, none of this stuff. So it's, it's, uh, it's just wild. And uh, I think living this story through them and through people from that time is what really makes this more rewarding, kind of the, the setting of it more so than necessarily the aliens themselves. Although I think as they've shown, there are layers to this between the armor, the little thing with the, the needle and the baby, like there's definitely elements of mystery to these aliens that intrigue us beyond the fact they're just kind of like scary looking roach creatures. There's, there's obviously more to it. It and there's so there's been a lot of mystery and a lot of depth built up and a lot to throw at us here in just one issue. So I, I love the first issue. It really it really sucks you in. Yeah, I mean, this is very much like a Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. Mm-hmm. Like if you love John Carter and all that stuff, even a little bit of Tarzan, like you're going to freaking fall in love with this. And if you're a fan of ancient aliens, this is basically ancient aliens <laughs> on cocaine. <laughs> Indeed, this is ancient aliens with uh, a little bit of DMT. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now we're on to issue two. We've got flashback. Arik is getting a little hot and heavy with his wife, Deidre. This is obviously before she was kidnapped. Quite a stutter, I gotta say. She is. I can see why he's so why he's so you know so love Lauren. Why that's what he's thinking about when he's getting fighting this uh, giant giant flame throwing robot. 
I would go just fight aliens outside of my league too. Yeah, I, I get it. I get I get everything so, about him now. Yeah, so it all makes sense. Uh, that turns out just to be a dream. He's not there with his wife. And so he's sleeping on the floor. They've been in their cell for two days. They don't even have water, food. Um, you know, Gofty is there, and he's like, did they just capture us only to starve us, Arik? And Arik is like, these creatures want us weak, Gofty, docile. And uh, at this point, you know, uh, a, a soldier comes over, and he's pulling them out. What's funny is, we, we, you know, like you mentioned, we could see what the aliens are saying. He's like, get into lie now. But all the, all the, all the Visigoths here, all the humans here, there's this chirping sound so much <laughs> so that Gofty's like, do you think they, we understand their gibberish? <laughs> like, it, it is kind of, as serious as this is, like the, like, the funny parts don't come, like, that explicitly it's it's the undertones it's hilarious i, I love that this is addressed because one thing that always i hate i it's just you know you really should be able to spend suspend all your disbelief i suppose in comics and that sort of thing but there are certain things that i can never let go because i can suspend my disbelief but there's certain logical gaps i can never make and i hate when when alien creatures are encountered and they're just speaking english or you go to another planet and people are speaking english Dri- drives me crazy and i like that it is really addressed here that they you know we know they can't communicate with each other uh we know they're hearing the chirps uh their authors are doing us a favor by letting us know what the aliens say so we know see the whole picture uh but i, I just like that this language barrier here is addressed uh whereas a lot of a lot of alien you know, stories like this would just brush it over and and inexplicably everyone would be speaking english or they would just have some magical thing the, the alien would just be like, oh, I have this little thing that, you know, translates. So I, I, I love this part of it, too. Same. I mean, it's it, it's not it doesn't always make things easier for the storyteller, but for the reader, it's way more rewarding. Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, the Visigoths are taken out to this giant atrium inside the, the colonial mothership. They're basically being told, hey, go harvest, go go till the field. It's like this must be where all their food comes from. And are they teaching them to garden? Because like if they can't speak the language, they're just assuming these guys know how to know how to garden all these different alien plants. I mean, this is a uh, I feel like they need a class first or, you know, some kind of training course. Like these are warriors. Not gardeners. They're already t- they're already telling us that they all understand this language. I think gardening must be universal to some degree. I guess so. Yeah. But uh, but it's 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 hilarious. And they do seem to take these, to it pretty quick, pretty quickly. So <laughs> yeah, I mean they they get to it. There's no fighting them. They've been starved. They're just tired. They're like, fine, space roach person. I'll go do what you want. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> and uh, you know they're basically slaves, and they're they're being worked to death so much so that eight of them must have died the last couple of nights and their bodies were, were used for compost. I must have kind of brushed by this the first time. Uh, they're, they actually, maybe you're going to get to this. It's like second. me and Arik's father. You, you do see, <laughs> yeah, you do, you do see, um, there is another guy there. That's clearly not part of his crew. That's like, looks like he's from some kind of African uh, tribe there. So uh, they do, I guess to show you that they've been taking humans from different parts of the earth. Uh, I think the first time I'd read this, I kind of just had everybody as, as Oda Eric's crew, but uh, they're going out of their way actually to show you, to give you little hints that there's more, more than that. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's like, I, I'm big into show. Don't tell, mm-hmm. even though storytelling is a big part of comic books, comic books are primary or primarily a visual medium. So when you see that it begins to show you the depth. And I think it means more when you realize that versus when they just explicitly tell you, yes, um, you know, at this point, uh, the, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, uh, there's this, there, <laughs> the, there are these lines of pipes up high above them and they're basically sprinklers. They're sprinklers. So they start sprinkling water. We see it as sprinklers. They're looking at this and they're like rain without sky. They're like what, what is powers this do these creatures wield? <laughs> 
If you um, thought that that spinning armor that that suckifies people was something, wait till you see how they make water come from the sky. Yeah, and uh, at this point, you know, one of the one of the warriors, they're like, if they mean to make farmers of us, at least we will eat. He grabs this little giant grapefruit thing. He takes a bite of it, and immediately he gets tased by one of the vine troopers. And he's like, "Filthy animal! You dare desecrate the offspring!" And it's like, "Offspring? What's going on here?" So we're already like, eh. "Is it me? Maybe I'm just hungry." But this fruit looks delicious. Like maybe I'm just hungry. I don't know. It looks I like a how... Cadbury egg. Yeah, it looks awesome. Like I don't know what yeah. what's in there, but boy, it's like purple, and I mean, it looks like it's got to be so sweet. And there's that that white Cadbury stuff in there. I mean, I, I want one of these things. But maybe I'm just yeah. I, I, yet. I mean, they, they call it the offspring. I don't know if they mean offspring the way we mean offspring, but he just he, he gets tased. As soon as that happens, Arik jumps over because he's a boss and he's like, try facing your opponent and beast. So I like how he's trying to teach him principles of battle uh, along the way, too. You know, <laughs> he's going to he's going to give him some some lessons while we're at this. This is uh, th- th- this is funny. As soon as you think Arik's about to have this fight with this guard, just a bunch of other vine troopers go over and they just start beating him Rodney King style. Yeah, with these tasers. Like, yeah, that doesn't look fun. Yeah, so much so that um, one of them comes over with like these giant uh, spears and he's just like, we are vine. You do not disobey us. You will be an example. So as Ark is like, wait, like, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's putting his arm out because obviously he wants to stop having the crap beaten out of him. They cut off his hand and it's just it's all they show everything. And then they show him, which is so unexpected. He's just screaming like, yeah, it's like this is our main character. Yeah, exactly. You can't cut off his hand. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember the first time reading this, like, whoa, whoa, uh, hold on. Our main character's losing his hand? Is he always not going to have a hand? Okay, I guess so. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it just gets worse for him, because what do they do? They just return him back to the pen, they drop him there, and uh, it's just, it's an ugly, bloody stump. Oh. So much so, he tries to wrap it up till he stop it from getting infected, but they cut off his hand, they, they didn't treat him, so what does he do? He blacks out. Um, j- Just right there, <laughs> what are your thoughts of where we're at right now? Dude, I mean, Eric knows no bounds uh, in terms of his bravery, how much he's willing to stand up to these these fuckers. Uh, but man, that it just they really punch the reader in the face when they chop his hand off. I mean, it really shocks you, shocks your system. And then how he just tries to, to tie it all up. I mean, I like that you don't just see the hand and move on. We see the aftermath. We see that he has to tie himself up and we see him slowly pass out because that's what would happen if you if you lost your hand. You'd, I'd probably pass out the instant I lost my hand because I'm not badass like Arik, but you know anybody else would just pass out once they had lost um, a little bit more blood there. But ooh, it's nasty. Yeah, and you think that's a surprise. What happens on the next page? I imagine this in like the SpongeBob narrator voice. Years later. Years later have gone by, and Arik still doesn't have a hand. Yeah. And Gofty has to wake him up. He's like, they're coming. It's time for another shift. And they're just another day at work. Yeah, and they're just put back to work. And, you know, there's just there, there's no hope. All hope has been taken from them. And, uh, you know, at this point, there are growing a nice little beard here now, as any as any downtrodden uh, brave warrior should after a few years. So at this point, he's just basically given up. Um, he, he is coming up with a plan, though. He's like, we can't face them face to face. They're not they're uh, they're not brutes, relentless like us. What we need to do is we need to come up with an escape plan at night. Escape so obviously, plan. They, great movie, they, by the way. They they've gone they they've gone years just trying to basically fight them man to man, but obviously it took a lot of bad efforts and dead bodies and hands getting cut off for them to figure out what if we come up with like a stealthy escape plan for once. 
<laughs> this is what I was referencing earlier when I said Arik is is the kind to just go into battle, not come up with a plan. But here we see, you know, as brave as he was confronting these guys, uh, his attempts to just go into battle over and over here were clearly not working to the point that he got his hand chopped off. So he did actually take another approach and apparently have had a few years of of, of careful planning here. Yeah, and basically what what you see them do is that they've been taking some of their work supplies and they've been fastening it into weapons. So you see them with wires and sticks and some sharp objects, maybe a grenade or something. And what they're basically trying to do is they, they've been able to, through being dragged around the ship, they made a map. And what they're basically going to do is they're going to try and get to the armory. And from there, they're going to try and fight and escape. So at this point, they're actually getting kind of smart. I still don't get what their plan is. Are they going to man a spaceship that they've never have ever touched anything and learn to fly it? I don't know. But yeah, at this point, they're like, we'll make it up as we go. And that's what kind of happens. The guards come in late at night and he's like, you wake up. And what you see is that you see one of the guys, he's on the floor face down. It looks like he's dead. So they're like, oh, this one has expired. Have a pair of animals bring it to the compost. And as soon as he comes over, uh, Arik jumps right behind him and stabs him in the back. Then what they do is they launch an arrow through the other vine soldier's mouth. And this is funny. I guess that was the vine creature that cut off Arik's hand. So as everyone's like getting out, they're like, Arik, what's up? And Arik grabs a spear and he's like, a hand for a hand and he cuts off the dead vine soldier's hand i yep. mean he's just he's he, it, he's 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 a freaking riot this is great because not only does he get revenge but then he uses that hand to act because earlier they had shown an alien uh you know one of those vine using his hand to open the cell so now eric takes that hand and he's using that hand to open up all the cells of everybody else yeah, and, and this is what's funny is they, as they start doing that, they're freeing more and more soldiers. And this is where just the straight up prison fight starts. Uh, they're going around fighting vine soldiers and arcs like cut them down. And this is what I love about this book. So much decapitating. There is so a lot, much lot of limbs and heads that are coming off here. Yeah, it's very Games of Thrones-ish. Mm-hmm. But at this point, um, you know, they're 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 running to the armory. They're like not much farther. And then they get to probably a platoon of vine soldiers of guns. And the vines are like, you know, chirp, chirp, put down your weapons. At this point, you know, so they're, they're, the humans are looking at Arik. They're like, what do we do? And Arik's like, the armory is just beyond. We go through them. So they just fucking charge. <laughs> and yeah, what else are them, we going to do? One guy's on fire. I, like he he's just on fire right there and there are more heads being cut off and people being just shredded but somehow this this committed ideological force of humans have been able to take on a superior army i love it <laughs> i love it so much uh, we're only in the second issue by the way and and this feels again that so many moments in these first couple issues feel like how a movie ends you know the big battle scene uh the big escape scene so we're getting so much action but it's it's all with within this very unique story yeah and at this point they they open the doors and they're like hey if this is an armory it is decidedly lacking in armor uh, is there just the one and that what they've what they've gone into is basically that that temple, that church. So Arik goes over and he's like, ah, one will have to be enough. Uh, he looks at it and he's just, oh, my God, as Shanhara raises, it goes over to him. And uh, at this point, we go to the outside of the armory and they're looking around. They're like, uh, vine soldiers, why have you not entered the temple? Only a handful are left. Destroy them. And they're like, hey, man, like. Obviously not, hey, man, you guys get that we riff on this. Hey, man, the sacred armor of Shanhar is inside. What if we harm it? 
And the guy's like, Simpleton, the armor is worthless. It is a story told by priests to keep hold of their followers. Shanhara is a death sentence to any fool who wears it. So obviously there's a priest inside as we go back into the temple. Uh, he's screaming, sacrilege, while Gofti's just holding a knife to him. Like, shut up. I don't know why he just, doesn't just kill him there. But Shanhara goes on Arik. You think as it's on him that it's killing him. And he falls down and Gafti's like, Arik. And the priest says he has paid for his transgression. Shanhara would never choose a human. At that point, the doors blow up and the vine soldiers run in trying to end the rebellion. At this point, just before they're about to shoot everyone, these giant laser blasts come out, taking down all the troops. And the priest turns around and he's like, no, it's not possible. And then you see Arik looking badass as hell with these laser gauntlets wearing the Shanhara armor. And while everyone is trembling, the priest just bows and he says, Shanhara has chosen a human. I love how there's like laser green smoke coming off his fist, you know, as if he just fired a gun, but it's lasers and it's the color of the laser green lasers. It, it, it's such badass. Yeah. And he looks so awesome. Still no hand. Uh, and he just, it looks so badass and uh yeah this is uh, a great a great reveal obviously we know what this shit we know we know where this is all going from the beginning we know he's going to get this armor it's it's on you know on the cover of the book uh but uh so we know it's going to happen but it still feels like an epic moment yeah and uh that ends issue three but issue i'm sorry issue, issue two. two but issue three we just jump right into it you see a couple of vine soldiers talking about their day just having a nice old conversation as they go over to take some of the slaves to use this literal human target practice, you see that that that, that same green blast of energy blows up both their heads. And what happens? Uh, Arik has the exo armor, and he's, he's just blowing everyone up. At this point, uh, the priest is still there. He's like, it cannot be. The sacred armor of Shanhara has killed all who have worn it. Yet a slave from the pen survives. How? And at this point, I just want to point out, as the armor has gone around him, Arik still doesn't have his hand. Yep. Uh, so you just see the stump, and he's still fighting people. At one point, he grabs a vine soldier by his and head. The e and the easy comic thing him, to do would have just been, oh, have the armor just give him a hand, you know? But I like hand. that it doesn't, yeah. And what it shows is that even without hand, Arik is still a badass MFer. So much so he grabs the face of a Vine soldier. And I don't know what the wrestling move is, but he just like slams him headfirst into the ground, squashing his head like a grape. I, I, I watch more pro wrestling than probably anyone I know. And I, I've never quite seen this move exactly done. done to anybody. <laughs> it, this is like not even a choke slam. This is like a, a backwards face slam, if I was going to name this. Uh, and it crushes his face. So, I mean, so much There's blood. That. Yeah. So much blood. But, uh, you know, at this point, some soldiers run in actually shooting Arik. Uh, he looks down, surprised that he's not dead. He's like, oh, I must be I must be invincible. So he's still blasting people. And one of the soldiers is like the armor. It's Sean Hara lives. And as he runs away, uh, everyone stands up and Arik is like, this is good armor indeed. I love that. I love that. It's just this is good armor. <laughs> and, no and this shit. is important. Like I, I'm like I'm I'm skipping a lot of the dialogue, but the stuff that comes from the priest is really important. He yeah. is basically the expositional device vice here the priest mm -hmm. goes as as Arik is like pretty impressive himself and he's like so much time so many soldiers sacrificed at least the day has come uh you are the one the prophecies foretold of Sharnhara has chosen you and you can see that this priest character actually like all the other aliens and vine are trying to to kill you know kill the human still and kill uh, kill Eric but the priest is like stopped he's just like he respects it he's here he he has faith in Sharnhara and he respects the choice like he might not like the choice but he's like he's shocked by it but 
you know, he believes that Sean Har's choice is correct, whatever that be it may be, because he is the the priest of this thing. So uh, we don't know the backstory, but we know that he he is he is looking at this differently than the rest of the vine. Yeah, um, but but here's the crazier thing, though. At this point, you know, Gofty comes over and he smacks the priest. He's like, "Enough of your foul chittering." And uh, Arik, as he's looking around at the at the situation, he's like, the priest said something about me being chosen. And Gafti's like, you understand the creature's clicks and chirps? And Arik mm-hmm. replies, it is as if suddenly I remember things I have never learned, as if the armor has thoughts. Its power courses through me. And then it looks like he's about to have like another attack, like the armor might kill him. Instead, he, he lunges back and, you know, he sees the armor is moving. He's like, ah, get, get it off of me. I'm freaking out. What ends up happening? It grows Arik a freaking hand. There it is. There's the hand. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, he's looking at his hand. He's just like, what the hell? And he's like, my God, look, how many years since the creatures took my hand? This armor is capable of miracles. I understand why they revere it. So what does the, the team do after this? They're like, let's grab some guns and some other weapons and let's start killing some vine. And the next page is badass as hell. It's a giant, almost double, pa- uh, single page spread of small panel at the bottom. Uh, Art comes out with gauntlets blazing as the other warriors have guns and they're shooting back and he's like, leave none alive. <laughs> and they're just, it, it's just, it's, it's so like cool. the Romans all over again, except uh, they, he's got Shen Hara on his side this time. So this kind of reminds me of like the, the Iron Man, uh, tank missile moment in the first Iron Man film. Yeah, it's yeah. almost for me. This is what that reminds me of. It's so it's so cool. And they're just they're, they're taken down guys. And at this point, um, you know, the, the soldiers are coming now and they're throwing out bombs. And, you know, right now, a lot of them are a lot of the humans are dead. They're freaking out. Art can only do so much. He gets another like missile upgrade from the armor and he shoots it down at a group of vine soldiers. They just erupt in flames, blow up. Suddenly he's also discovered how to freaking fly with this thing. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just awesome. And uh, at this point he gets back on the ground and he sees this one vine creature alive and he's just like, ah, choking, dying. Arik, his face just looks like, so it's just full on rage. He's about to um, <laughs> he's he's basically decided, do I kill the soldier who's obviously unable to fight or not? And then, you know, right when you think, oh, he's not because he's a hero. You see a close up of his face and he's like, there is always fight in someone. <laughs> and just before he's about to blow off the head of this vine soldier, you see Commander Krill back in the giant mech suit. And he's calling out slave and Arik goes, you, it was you who captured me years ago. You took me from my people, from my wife. If you will not fight me man to man, then it will be armor to armor. And this is cool. Now understand while he has these other missiles, projectiles, guns and stuff that is still kind of foreign to him in terms of technology. What does he do? He uses this giant energy beam strand and he use, he makes a sword construct out of it. So as he's, lunging towards uh, tr- uh, Trill, he basically creates a laser sword, like a lightning laser sword. Yeah. It is freaking awesome. 
And I love just in in not that many pages, we learn so much about what this armor does. We learn that it can give him the knowledge to understand all of these other aliens, other species. Uh, it, it can create a new hand for him. It can kind of create any basically any weapons he desires, because this idea for the sword obviously came from Arik's mind, didn't come from Shanahara. Uh, it came from Arik's mind and his his wanting to have that sword and, and kind of get revenge for the breaking of his father's sword at the hands uh, of the same uh, same you know Commander Trill or what have you. So uh, yeah, I, I love how much we're seeing out of this armor and we just like Arik, we are learning this is more than just, you know, some armor you toss on for some for protection. Yeah. And at this point, he's he's broken the the windshield of the mech. He's trying to pull out the commander and he's like, I will take your life. I will take your head. So what does the commander do? He 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 places some explosives on Arik's chest right before he's about to get in. He's like, curse you, curse Sean Hara, tosses him off with the mech arm. And then there's an explosion that is so gigantic it blows a massive hole out of the colonial mothership. So much so that Ark at this point is just floating through space. And he seem, he seems to be knocked out so much so that he's he's basically seeing memories of his wife. And, you know, at this point, it's like a dream. And they even show cracks in his in his uh, face, the face shield of the armor, implying like, oh, no, is he actually in danger here? Yeah, I mean, he's seeing his wife, and then we go back uh, to to the commander, and he's he's calling out for Admiral Zlexum. Uh, this is Commander Trill. The animals outside the ship fire the cannons, and this is where we get the the name, the titular name of the book: "Destroy the Mano War Armor." And at this point, um, <laughs> this is. <laughs> this can be taken multiple ways. Ark is waking up, and he's just saying, "Rome." Rome, Rome. He's just going full barbarian. Um, you know, got to get back to this that hot redhead. You know? Yeah, exactly. At this point, we're back on the on on the uh, on the bridge of the ship, and one of the priests jumps in. He's like, "Wait, stop! You must not sh- you must not harm Shanhara." Are these multiple priests, or is it the same priest character? I thought it was the same I think guy. It's, I think it's the same guy. But he might be right. I don't know. Yeah, they all look uh, the same. These vines. I don't want to be a you know racist or anything or alienist here, but you know, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, at, at, at this, yeah, at this point, the, the ship is about to launch fire on Arik, but out of nowhere, he just blips. You see his little light and he just disappears. And everyone on the bridge is like, uh, uh, he's gone. The armor's gone. What, what do we do? And at this point, we're back to Earth. It, you know, we're, we're in Rome, Italy, but it's not Rome, Italy, 402 AD. Years have passed, but obviously more than just a couple. We're in our modern times right now, and we're at a Practissa de Mari Air Force Base in Rome, Italy. We're seeing that these guys on an air traffic control tower are getting a unidentified contact coming from above of all places at this point they're kind of freaking out they're like uh this thing's coming from like mach 10 speed we gotta sound the alarm then we get to the roman coliseum in a double page (laughs) spread we see something crash right through and at this point as they're looking at it they're like oh shit we're under attack and what do we see that thing falling from the sky through the coliseum is Arik, and he gets up just like nothing has happened uh, he he takes his helmet off and he just he's just basking in the air. He's like, I have returned to you, my wife. Before this stands, we will both be free. I will unleash this armor upon the Romans and together we will. And he turns around and who's he see? He sees tourists taking photos of him. 
And you see his kid come over, and he's like, look, a gladiator. Cool. And Ark is looking at him like, what the hell is this? But before he could really figure out what's going on, you see a bunch of soldiers surrounding him, and they're like, don't move. We have you surround him. So Ark is looking around like, okay, I'm back in Rome. This is obviously, you know, only a couple years have passed. He looks at them before putting the helmet back on, and he's like, Roman pigs, the more of you, the better. (laughs) Yeah, I love this, um, you know, how he just blasts right into the Roman Coliseum, like destroying it. There's a a little bit of, uh, you know, sweet revenge, I guess, on that. It is a Roman Coliseum where they would uh, presumably have people like Arik, people like the Visigoths come and battle as slaves. And he just blasts right through that thing. And yeah, I mean, he, he wastes no time. And uh, in turn, and immediately, even though they they have guns now and everything, I don't think he quite realizes what's going on. He still just sees these people as Romans, and he does not look happy. So as we end this third issue, uh, it's a little bit of a oh god, what's he going to do here? What's he going to do with this with this crazy armor to these now modern humans who are understandably pretty shocked and pretty concerned about about what has just occurred? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously through space and time, travel and everything, a few years in a certain part of the space might be decades here. In Arik's case, centuries, thousands of years have gone Just by. go watch Interstellar, guys, and then you'll understand. There you go. And uh, we're on to issue four. We're back at the bridge of the Vine uh, Mothership. It's very dialogue heavy for multiple pages, but basically the priest is arguing with uh, Commander Trill. And, you know, Trill is like, listen, obviously if Sean Hara chose a human – it's 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 his will and that thing is our god so we should not try and destroy it and trill is like ah it's just myths and legends and if you defend the human you must be a traitor so they're basically arguing about what to do and at this point um you know trill looks back and he's like if they ask my opinion i'll tell them there's too much we do not yet understand the armor was suddenly awoken and we should know why instinct tells me we should reclaim the man of war armor not destroy i'm sorry that's the admiral because then uh commander trill looks at him and he's like as you command your faith serves us well admiral the priest replies and the admiral goes faith is your purview priest i am entrusted with the safety of our race i do not have the luxury of faith make no mistake if we cannot reclaim the armor then we'll advise the council to destroy it so what you basically see is that there's a lot of internal political uh issues amongst the priests and the military because the priest has basically taken the side of sean hart it's like if it chose a human it did so for a reason yeah. that thing is our god who are we to deny it and the military is like listen if we can't take that thing to be our own weapon we'll just freaking destroy it because a slave has it i don't know man i think i'm on the priest side here that armor seems to be pretty damn powerful so i'm just going to go ahead and agree with the armor and, and speaking of pretty damn powerful we're back to rome italy the soldiers are yelling get on the ground they're pointing guns at him and as Arik puts the helmet on he's like so general stilico the the roman general we dealt with in the first issue so roman stilico has just has dispatched legionnaires to welcome me i hope he sent his best i did not come this far to surrender so what does he do? He starts just blasting away these soldiers. He thinks that he's back in Rome, so much so that as he escapes... No, he is back in Rome, just yeah, not Yeah, I mean, back in Rome. Rome in 402 AD. <laughs> um, as he basically has now mastered his ability to fly, he flies heavily above the city, and he's like, Rome, you grew during your absence. <laughs> your vile weapons have conquered more lands, but Ark of Dacia is not the same Visigoth warrior you once knew. Yeah, he thinks this all happened in like three years. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I wield far more than the blade. Your high walls cannot keep me out. Your people call this place Eternal City. 
not after today. And all of a sudden, we see a missile come out from what appears to be an F-16. It hits Ark, and the, and the pilot's like, direct hit, target destroyed. But out of nowhere, through the smoke, he's like, uh, I don't know if I can confirm this thing. Ark is flying right towards the pilot, and he screams, target's still active. Um, he basically blows up the ship by, go- I'm sorry, the, the plane, the, the jet, the F-16, by going right through it. Just no chill. He is <laughs> not chill. here to fuck around. Yeah, this is a, an unfortunate situation because, uh, you know, you can't really blame the government response here, I guess. I mean, this is this thing came out of nowhere is killing, you know, just immediately killing people on the ground, destroying the Roman Coliseum. Now it flies into the air and it's just destroying, uh, you know, destroying, uh, you know, impervious to missiles, destroys a plane. I mean, I can't really be surprised that governments of the world, as we'll see in a moment, are freaking out. Yeah, at this point, there's another uh, jet coming towards him. Instead of just destroying this one and killing the pilot like the last one, uh, he lunges to the nose of it, pulls off the the hatch, and the pilot's just screaming. Uh, the, the jet goes down, and Arik is just holding the sky by his collar. He's freaking out. And Arik is like, where is General Stilico? Where is Emperor Heronis? I, I will have my wife return to me, or all of Rome will burn. Because obviously we saw how hot his wife is. Okay, and I decided the, what bothers me now. What? And maybe I can just tell myself. It's, it's, think little, it's always little things for me. Uh, why is he speaking English? Is Arik speaking English this whole time? Or should I just presume that Arik is still speaking uh, uh, Latin or Italian or something? And he's so is the soldier? Through, he's, speaking, he's speaking through the helmet. Oh, he's speaking through the helmet. So that actually yeah. is explained. Yep. All right. I'm good. Never mind. I, I, totally, I totally forgot about that get out of every language uh, confusion free card that we now have with Exo, but it, it actually now does we, all now explain we've got all of it. Yeah. yeah, now we've got a MacGuffin. So the, the, the pilot is just like, what, what do you mean? Italy doesn't have an emperor. And at this point, Ark, you know, he he's he's saying you're 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 lying, but you look at his face, and he's just the the man must have some serious PTSD. So much so that the armor starts putting history of the world up from when he was taken to when he arrived back into his mind. So much so that he drops the pilot. And here we see the siege of Rome in 410 AD, the the Crusades in 1176. Um, we see. Uh, a concentration camp in 1945. We're seeing the Spanish Inquisition in 1583. And he's like, how, how have I been gone for 16 centuries? Got to watch Interstellar, dude. (laughs) Explain the whole thing. Uh, Anyway, the pilot's falling down. He's screaming. Exo saves him, lowers him to the ground. And he's like, what has happened to the Roman empire? Where are the Visigoth people speak? And the pilot's just like, Rome isn't just an empire. It's just a city. And the Visigoths, uh, they they don't exist, at least not anymore. It's like the only Goths we have now are are teenagers that wear wear black and and eyeshadow. Yeah. Um, At at this point, you know, Arik is just having it. And he flies off before more jets can find him. Uh, But what we do know is that he's headed north. Um, At this point now, we, we cut scenes. We're in Manhattan. And the sky, uh, just a regular human, uh, he picks up the phone as he's in bed and he's like, what? And the, the whoever's on the phone, because the caller ID just says unknown, it's like, turn on Fox News right away, Alexander. And what you see on Fox is that uh, they're basically saying, listen, there was a terrorist attack that took place in Rome. Uh, some, you know, armed uh, you know, this person fired upon armed Italian soldiers and then took to the air and destroyed two Eurofighter Typhoon military jets. And, um, you know, at this point, uh, he, he's just 
freaking out. He's watching this. And then we basically hear that there are these two women in bed. They're like, what are we not interesting enough for you? And, uh, you know, this guy, Alexander, he, he's just, he doesn't even look back. He's like, get dressed. You're both leaving. And, and this uh, guy's got a bevy of women, presumably being paid for this. Perhaps it would seem all in different outfits, just waiting like in the waiting room. Like they were just all next along with, you know, what some other guy that's, that's yeah, I mean, there. I mean, he walks out, uh, in, into his living room. You see more, prostitutes probably and he's just kicking them all out and this this is one thing about valiant comics by the way uh you would never see this in a marvel or dc comic like valiant comics are definitely sort of for adults i wouldn't say any of them are over the top intentionally trying to be extra adult but they're definitely for they're definitely r-rated i mean there's decapitations uh hand capitations with blood uh there's prostitutes there's uh threesomes there's all the things that you would never ever find in in a mainstream marvel or dc book so, yeah. you know, if you want to uh, read a book that feels more like an adult movie, that feels less like it's for kids, uh, these Valiant books never feel like they're for kids. Absolutely. Alexander goes into a room, he closes his eyes, and he goes into a trance. And long story short, you see a bunch of other people pop up, and you see the dialogue bubbles change to that vine-chirping language that we can see through, uh, through the brackets. And it's like, hello, Alexander, we've been waiting for you. And long story short, all these people including Alexander, they are vine, uh, seedlings. They were, they were basically at the, in the very first issue where we saw them change that baby. These are basically other people who were basically put on earth. They are vine, but they look like humans and they're basically a, uh, you know, a, a, a shadow cell. You know, they're, they're like they're like Manchurian candidates, say a word they activate, except these guys know exactly who they are. So they're like scrolls, except for all intents and purposes, they are humans. And they've all been brought together by the Admiral because they're all being told that, you know, a human has escaped with the Shanhara armor. And, uh, you know, basically they want Alexander, who works within, you know, one of the governments of the world to help get it back at this point. And the admiral who, t- who shows up in the trance, he's like, the council has commanded that you use your influence on Earth to reclaim the armor ahead of my arrival. One of you must lead the effort. Who will volunteer? And no one wants to go up against this thing. So Alexander's like, fine, I'll go. And, uh, you know, the trance ends and basically, you know. The, the story ends of Alexander picking up a phone and he's like, prepare my jet. I have business to attend to. And that is the end of issue four. What happened to Rome? What are the vine planning? And in the in the very last panel, we see the preview for the next issue, which is in the next volume. Enter Ninjack. Who the hell is Ninjack? So, you know, this this is uh, this is just picking up for for greater and greater things. And, you know, as soon as I finished reading this volume, I immediately went back to my comic book store and I bought five. And then when they, you know, five, five extra. And then when I found out there were extra spinoffs and everything else, I went on Amazon and I was just buying like crazy. So uh, that's it. That is Exo Man of War Volume One by the Sword. Mark, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a hell of an introduction to this character. Um, like I said, right from the beginning, you're thrown into action. Really, every issue you're thrown into action. But it's not just action for action's sake. There's a compelling character. I mean, it's hard not to be drawn to the character of of Arik right from the beginning. Uh, and a really compelling story where it, it's you know, if you just wrote the description of this to me, I, I might be mildly intrigued. But I don't know. It's a guy with armor and. 
and there's aliens, okay, whatever. But the way they actually lay this whole thing out for you, and uh, they, like you said, there's a lot of show, not tell, so you see a lot of things, but you're, you're not getting the full picture. So as we as we see the story of Arik, uh, you know, being kidnapped by aliens and leading this whole rebellion, which is a really interesting story in and of itself, there's also this background story of what's going on with the Vine, of what their greater plan is. Like, they're not just picking up humans to go work in a garden. Like, there's so much more going on here. They have all these sort of uh, half-vine human hybrids around the globe, and you don't even know. Like, you know, we saw that one baby that was replaced right in the first issue. Like, part of me is like, oh, is Alexander that baby? Just Are they this old? Do they live that long? Or is this generations of these things that have been all around the world? We really don't know. And uh, part of not knowing the full story is part of the intrigue of this as well. Um, compelling character, compelling story. Am I grading this right now? Should yeah, I just let, get let, right let, there? Let me go first for this one, because I, right, I, right. I think Valiant, especially, you know, I did the the state of the poll list over on Patreon. I did a Ramso, a Remso rant discussing what I was. I messed up my own name. I did a Remso rant discussing uh, the <laughs> The comics. Ramso, that's your uh, that's your southern cousin, that's your, uh, that's southern pro cousin. Wrestling name. But anyway, it's either your pro wrestling name or your or poor name. I'm not sure which. I'll, one. I'll trademark it tonight. I'll Maybe be coined later. Um, anyway, I uh, you know I did a stay of the poll list and a Remso rant over on Patreon, telling you what comics are I'm going to be subscribing to from my local comic shop in 2021. And uh, Valiant is number one, and DC is number two, and there's no Marvel or Dark Horse or Image. So it's just uh, it's just Valiant and Marvel who seem I'm sorry, it's Valiant and DC who seem to be taking my money. And I mean, I remember I, I got this on my way to work and I read this during my lunch break. And then, you know, because I was working nights, I was like the only one in the office didn't have much work. I finished it off. Then next day I bought everything else. I freaking love this volume. I'm giving the story a five and I'm giving the artwork a four. So it's going to get a total Remso score of nine out of 10. I just think it's that good. That's pretty damn good. Uh, we're not too far off. I also gave the art of four. I think the art is very good. Not the best artwork I've ever seen. It would probably be even better if it was someone like, you know, a Joe Quesada. I'd love a throwback Joe Quesada. I don't think he's still doing art at all anymore. Uh, it's, it's a little bit choppy, but the way that they're able to lay yeah. everything out and have its own unique look to the details and uh, way the, the characters and all the different aliens look and everything, it, it's good enough to be good, but it's not great. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It, it's good. It's very good. Not great. Uh, and that, that so that's why it gets a four. And then I'm not going quite as high as you on the story, but, but pretty damn close. I'm going to 4.5 on the story uh, and the writing. I mean, I, I liked it a lot. Um, to me, I reserve a five for like... You know, the 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 most epic, epic stories that I've ever read. I love this. I like it. I highly recommend it. I can't quite go to a five, but a 4.5 on the writing is, is nothing to, to be ashamed of. So uh, 8.5 uh, and a nine from you at 8.5 for me. That's a total second print score of 17.5. Absolutely in the in the recommended reading range for sure on this one. I think we all agree on that. Absolutely. And I mean, really, everything from Valiant that's gone on the past uh, nine years, it springboards from this volume of Exo Mana War. So if you wanted a starting place for an entire universe at your hands, this is it. Yep. And and like I said, I mean, I love when I can dive into something and not feel intimidated by everything around it. You can definitely do that, especially because this Exo Mana War edition, and I, we got to go further on this one. Like I might do, it's a can candidate for Eclairs continues. Maybe once I get through Savage Dragon, maybe we'll come back to it on the show. There's so many directions we can go from here though, too. We could tackle uh, Ninjak. We can tackle Bloodshot. Uh, these re- reboots were all really, really well done. Uh, so there's a lot of directions we can go with Valiant, but I- I'm certain we'll be returning to uh, either more Exo, uh, more Valiant. Uh, you know, we got, I-, I think you and I are going to be on this earth for a while. So there's, there's no limit to-, to where we can go with this thing. 
Absolutely. So but you will hear the name Valiant again, my friends. Absolutely. And, and, and if you wanted it now, you're going to get it a lot down the road because they've not only been able to stay consistently uh, this high of quality over years, even though there have been some, you know, iffy editorial decisions. I'm not a big Heather Antos fan and folks like that. She's the uh, editor in chief at uh, Valley Entertainment. Ultimately, I mean, you've got Dennis Hopeless Hallam writing the current uh, EXO series. You've got Bloodshot, which has been great. They're bringing back Shadow Man in March. Um, this is really where they reward people who just love good comics. And I, I'm so excited that we were able to eventually start off this valiant journey here with Exo Man of War. Yeah. And for anyone that does want to dive into, uh, the valiant universe, like from, I mean, you could do a couple of different things. There's also the nineties version of this universe, which might be fun to dive into. Uh, I plan to go back to some of that stuff soon as well. Cause I was collecting that stuff as a kid, but, uh, for like a fresh start that I, I think that the 2012 relaunch is still connected to the, the modern continuity, even though there was an ownership change there. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would start with either Exo. Exo is a great place to start. Uh, two other options that I think are both excellent are uh, Jeff Lemire's Bloodshot and Matt Kent's or Matt Kint, <laughs> Matt Kent's um, Ninjack. Those are both excellent, excellent uh, starting points. So start wherever you want. The characters do all come together. Um, and, you know, it, I really think that people that are just getting into comics that have or people that have even been into comics for a long time, but have never gotten into the Valiant Universe for whatever reason, maybe just pass them, pass them aside. Uh, you know, I, can, I really can't recommend diving into this universe uh, at least a little bit, at least dipping your toe in the water. And Exo Manowar is certainly an excellent place to start. Yeah, I mean, Exo Manowar alone. And I mean, I love Bloodshot, too. I've got the Volume 1 Deluxe Edition. It's awesome. Ninjack and all the others. I mean, we haven't even gotten into Harbinger, Unity, Shadow Man, uh, the Eternal. So much, so much, so much. Uh, this is cinema on page. I mean, it really yeah. is. Which is why it's sad to hear that the movies aren't quite you know, panning out as, as originally planned, but maybe we'll get something. I mean, I, I would love to see an EXO movie, a well-done EXO movie for sure. I no, mean, it's, it's the most cinematic, I think, of all these, uh, naturally cinematic of all these stories. It's got everything people want. It's got romance. It's got, you know, giant old school historic war scenes. It's got aliens. It's got the thrill of an Iron Man movie mixed with Thor. It's it's everything you want. Indeed. Perfect. Well, folks, that's all I've got. Mark, anything else? That's about it. Just uh, the only one thing we talked a lot. We did a lot of promotion in the beginning, so I won't bore you with all of that stuff again. But the one thing I didn't mention earlier, which we always try to mention as much as possible, if you're just a fan of this show, you want an easy way, easy, free way to help us out. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Of course, we're happy to get a, a review anywhere, but the, the place that helps us the most are reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you can go and give us a five-star rating and a great review, I mean, that is that is huge for us. It helps us with, with all the algorithms. Uh, when people search for comic book podcasts, they're more likely to find ours. The more ratings, the more five-star ratings, the more great reviews we have, and a lot of you have done that. So thanks to everyone who has been reviewing the show out there. But uh, yeah, if you're listening and you haven't done it yet, take a second. Think. What can I do to give back? What can I do to give back to Mark and Remzo, who spend hours and hours and hours prepping and recording and, and editing these shows? What can I do? I can take five minutes of my day and give them a great review on, on Apple. I can do that. So you can do that. So I would really appreciate anybody who leaves us a great review. But other than that, that's all I got, Remzo. Well, anyway, folks, I'm Remzo W. Martinez. I'm the mischievous Mark Claire. Read comics. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.